flash and the twinkling of an eye. And um, I, I, I kind of am between two messages tonight, but I'm going to leave the other one for Sunday. Uh, it's been a very uh, roller coaster of emotions the last week for, for myself um, specifically. We had my uncle's uh, funeral and home going on Saturday. And then on Sunday, I was a groomsman in a wedding, so uh, very exciting for him, for a good friend of mine getting married, and also seeing my uncle, um, you know, passed into eternity, so it's up and down, and then uh, just went to another funeral today, so I've been to two funerals in four days, and uh, it's been just an emotional roller coaster this week, but um, it's always an opportunity to take advantage of those things and preach messages on them, amen? So Sunday, I'm going to preach about... Uh, eternity, and uh, this is going to kind of be about eternity as well, but I want to just remind us tonight that we are one second away from the rapture. Amen? We're one second away at any moment from the rapture, and actually, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we are less than a second. How many know that's hard to even measure, what less than a second is? Um, the Bible has a word for it, and we're going to go off of what the Word of God says. And how many are thankful tonight for the Word of God? God's Word that is everlasting, amen. It stands the test of time, and it li- it's living, it's alive, it's powerful, it's our source, it's our manual, and without it we have nothing, amen. So I would encourage you tonight to get your Bibles open your tablets, whatever you're using, but let's look at the Word of God, uh, always reminding you don't listen to what I say, but read what I say, amen, make sure it's in the Bible, and 1 Corinthians 50, sorry, 15, I'd have had you looking for a while if you'd gone to 50, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 says, now this I say, brethren, that, the, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does corruption inherit corruption. How many know that verse right there would be very scary without Jesus? Amen? Without Jesus, we we cannot go to heaven because the Bible says that no flesh and blood can inherit the kingdom of God and no corruption can inherit the, the, the kingdom of God. How many know without Jesus, we are corrupt? With Jesus, we are holy. Thank God, thank Jesus tonight, amen, that we are holy because of what he did on the cross. But he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. This is Paul speaking. He says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. How many are ready for that kind of change tonight, amen? The real powerful change that the Bible talks about. It says, in a moment, there's that second, in a moment. How long's a moment? It says, in the twinkling of an eye. Look at me real quick and blink. That's it. That's less than a second. Some people try to say it's one eleven one eleven hundredths of a second. It's not even measurable. It's 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 it's, it's the. I was reading something about this that says that when light hits your eye and then your eye recognizes its light, that's how fast the twinkling of an eye is. Not even blinking your eye, but but as soon as you see light, boom, it comes on, and that's that's how fast. The Bible says that everyone in this world's life will change. Did you hear what I said? Everyone in this world's life will change in a twinkling of an eye. The Bible tells us that some will be ready and some will go immediately in the twinkling of an eye into the presence of God and the rest will be left behind. The rest will be stuck on this earth to face 
what the Bible says is a great time of tribulation. And so we know today that uh, there's many scoffers and people who mock the word of God. Amen. More than ever before. And so it says, let me finish the verse before I get ahead of myself. He says, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead, that's my uncle, will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, this body of corruption must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. I was talking to Jose before church and we were talking about how the fact that God did not give us a chance or a choice of whether or not we would spend eternity somewhere. He didn't ask us, do you want to spend eternity somewhere? Some people say, I just don't believe that. I believe I'm going to die, and that's just going to be over. The lights are going to be off. Well, God didn't ask you that. He didn't give you that choice. We're all immortal. We're all immortal. We're all going to live forever. We get to choose where we're going to live forever, though. How many are thankful for that? We get to choose where we're going to live forever, not if we're going to live forever, but where we're going to spend eternity, and I choose Jesus tonight. He says this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And he says that corruptible will be swallowed up. Death will be swallowed up in victory one day. So we know tonight that that thing says in a flash, at the twinkling of an eye, we will be uh, changed and we will see Jesus. But I want you to go quickly over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I know these are some known verses. But as you're getting to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I want everybody in here to shout, see if you can do things, two things at one time. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I want you to shout, thank you. Thank you. Amen. You know what that thank you's for? That we're preaching the truth. Thank you that we're preaching about the rapture. Thank you that we're preaching about the return of Jesus Christ. One day you will thank me. I promise you, when we get up there to heaven, you might be high-fiving me on the way up. You're going to thank me for preaching on the rapture. You're going to thank me for reminding you that Jesus can come at any moment, and we've got to live a life of holiness. We've got to be watching and waiting and looking for his return. Amen. I promise you, you're going to be glad that I talked about these things. I promise you're going to be glad that I reminded you that Jesus can come at any moment because there, that moment is going to come. Amen, and I believe that it will we know. I don't even have to believe. I know it's sooner than it's ever been. It's sooner than it's ever been. We're, one, we're already just a few minutes closer than we were when we started this message. We're already a day closer than yesterday. We're already a week closer than we were last week, a year closer than we were last year. We're not getting further away from Jesus coming back. We're getting closer to Jesus coming back. And we know that he can come at any moment, and we have to have our wedding clothes on. Amen. We have to be dressed and ready spiritually to be able to meet him in the air. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Give me an amen if you're there. This is so important because this is what the Bible calls in Titus the blessed hope. The blessed hope. What hope do people have if they don't have hope in Jesus? I was witnessing with a couple of the other groomsmen to a, 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 a real heathen on Saturday night. Amen. I can say that because he's not here. Um, he is a real heathen, and so was I before I met Jesus. How many heathens do I have in here that used to be heathens? Amen. If you don't realize you were a heathen, you need to get saved. 
You were a heathen, and maybe you're a heathen in here till, still tonight. But we ganged up on this guy spiritually because we did not gang up on him physically. 6'8", 270 pounds. One of the biggest guys I've ever seen in my life, all muscle. Very cocky, very arrogant, but very nice at the same time, very likable. And we talked to him at the table, at the reception about the Lord, and, 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 he, and he said, you know, I, don't, I just hope, and he said that word. It was funny. I said, what's going to happen when you breathe your last breath? We talked about science, and we talked about all kinds of things. And he talked about math and all these different things. And I said, look, all that's fine and dandy, but when you breathe your last breath, where are you going to spend eternity? He said, I hope that I come back as some kind of consciousness, or I don't even know. I lost him after that. But he said, I hope. He said, I hope. So he has hope. But how many know that the Bible says if we don't have hope in Jesus Christ, our hope is hopelessness. Our hope tonight is because Jesus Christ has been to the other side. He's already paid the price. He's already seen death and defeated it. Come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than your amen. And I know it's Wednesday night, but I'm a little fired up. Amen. And, and so we know that this, this real thing is happening and, and people have to be ready for it. But we have a lot of mockers today. We have a lot of mockers that, that these verses here would just be filling space. Verse 13 says, I don't want you to be ignorant of chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians. I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who what? Who have no hope. You don't have hope in Jesus Christ. You have no hope. He says, I don't want you to be like everybody else, but if we believe... That Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who sleep. That's another word for gone into eternity, to die in Jesus. Watch this. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain. How many are alive tonight? You may feel more alive some days than others, but we're alive. We have breath in our bodies, and we are remaining. It says, until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ. Notice it says the dead in Christ. does not say the dead. It says the dead in Christ. Listen, you got to make sure when you breathe your last breath that you are alive in Christ so that you can be dead in Christ. It says those who are dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be harpasoed in the Greek, caught up. How many have ever been to a baseball game and seen a line drive and seen that person catch a line drive, third base, first base? Anybody ever seen that? Fast. So fast you have to get your glove up so it don't hit you in the face. Or down the line, you catch the ball real fast. That's what snatching away is. It's that quick. It's that quick. Bam. And the Bible says that Jesus is going to come and he's going to harpasso us. He's going to snatch us out of danger. Amen. You might, have, you might be too busy tonight to realize that we are on the verge of World War III. We are all kinds of stuff that's going on in the world. At any moment, at any moment, we could go into that place where we would be at World War III with many volatile nations around the world, many things happening. Don't be fooled tonight. Listen, don't be fooled by peace and safety. That's what the Bible says. 
Nobody's talking about peace. It seems like everything, how many know whenever it seems like everything's calm, that's when we really need to pay attention. We keep, we keep talking about how nothing's happening in North Korea and all those different things. We need to watch, it says. When they begin to say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes. And we don't know when that could be. That could be at any moment. He says, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we shall always be with the Lord. And he says, therefore, comfort one another with these words. Notice he said, comfort one another with these words. That means this should be something we look forward to. If our heart is right with God tonight, we're looking forward to that moment. And, we're, and comfort can mean, hey, let's, let's stay in this, but inside of that comfort can also mean challenge. We need to challenge each other. We need to say, hey, are you living right? Are you, are you seeking God? Are you, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you paying attention? Are you staying ready like John said at prayer? Are you making sure that, that this world's not creeping in? And one of the things I want to mention tonight, that's kind of a silver lining of this, is we need to make sure that we're not allowing scoffing and mocking to come into our lives. Because the world, as time goes on, the further away we get from the resurrection of Christ 2,000 years ago, and the closer we get to the return of Jesus, we will have more and more scoffers. And I want you to see that tonight if you'll go to second, first, sorry, second Peter chapter 3. Go there. We're going to look at a verse here in a second. As you're getting to Second Peter chapter 3, and we're going to see what the Bible says about scoffers in the last days. We are in the last days, church. We are in the last days. There's no doubt about it. We're in the last days. I don't know how many days that is, but we're in the last days. We know right now, this, this year in 2018, church, we're 70 years from the, the, the nation of Israel becoming a nation. 1948 to 2018, 70 years. This is the end of a jubilee year. This is a, this is a time, uh, matter of fact, this Friday there's going to be more blood moons and very significant blood moons. Don't think because in the past at 14 and 15, uh, nothing happened. Don't think nothing happened because we're still here. The Bible says those would be signs. Signs are something that warn you of something to come. A sign isn't something that tells you it happened. A sign is something that warns you. And this one that's coming up on this Friday is going to be the longest in 100 years. It's going to stay a blood moon for an hour and 43 minutes. The moon will be hidden for an hour and 43 minutes. It'll be seen on five continents. Israel will see it clearer than anybody else. So these are times when we say, hey, this is an even higher watch time, a higher time of, of watching and looking and paying attention. But at the same time that all this is going on, church, we have scoffers and mockers. I was reading this week, and I couldn't believe it. It's shocking. And I know these are just stats, but it's the truth. They polled a 1,000 pastors, and I don't know what denominations or any of that are, but they polled a 1,000 pastors last year, and only one-third of the 1,000 pastors believe in a rapture. One-third. What Bible are they reading? What are they doing with these verses that I just read you? Tell me that's not a sign of the end times, a sign of the days we're living in, when even pastors don't believe. If the pastors don't believe, what are they preaching to their churches? How will the church be ready? How will the church be watching? 
I don't talk to a lot of people outside of churches, but I can guarantee you today that a lot of churches have never even heard of the rapture. Never even heard the word. And if some say, and I'll just throw this in just for a second, and say, oh, that's because the rapture not even in the Bible. That's what a lot of people say. Well, neither is the word Trinity. But it doesn't take away the fact that God's a triune God. I, last time I checked, the Bible wasn't written in English. That's why the word rapture is not there. That's the word we use in English for harpasso, which means to be snatched out of danger, caught up in the air with the Lord. But can you believe that? A third of the pastors don't believe. Or sorry, two-thirds of the pastors don't believe. So we have, if you want to use that stat, two-thirds of this world, two, uh, pastors and churches, two-thirds of however many thousand pastors they, 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 they polled here in the United States, aren't even preaching on the return of Jesus Christ. So how can the church be watching and looking and waiting for it if they don't even know that it exists? That's a sad thing. Then I was reading also about, and some of you may have heard this, maybe even seen it, but I, I, had ne- I never heard it until I was checking this out, but there was a show called Leftovers. Anybody hear about that? I think it ended last year. It was a three-year show. And listen to how interesting this is. The devil works in such mysterious ways. He has, he has things that he's putting out there and probing through TV to, to trick us and, and to get us to think about things. And there was a show called Leftovers. Listen to this closely. And in the Leftovers show, I watched the trailer, 2% of the population of the world disappeared. That's what this show was about, called The Leftovers. 2% of the population disappeared. Now, that's just the percentage they put. It was not anything biblical. It was not anything spiritual. But they were showing how people reacted after 2% of the population disappeared. And, they, and it, was, it, was, it wasn't like believers and non-believers. It was just 2% of the population gone and how, how crazy it got after that. And one of the things that's interesting about that is I was thinking about the number. There's 7.6 billion people in the world today, approximately. 7.6 billion. One per, 2% of that would be 150 million people. So in this show, can you imagine 150 million people? This isn't even, not even talking biblically. Can you imagine what would happen today if, outside of our, our beliefs if 150 million people disappeared from the face of the earth? When you break that down by continents, you get about 20-something million. Can you imagine here in North America and South America in this area, 40 million people disappearing, what that would do to our economy, what that would do to our minds, what that would do to our jail system, what that would do to our hospitals, what that would So this is just a show. It's just a show. And they're talking about this. Why, why, why are these things out there? Sometimes it's to get us numb to it. Sometimes it's to, to, get, uh, to get us to think, well, that's just a farce. That's not going to happen. There's all kinds. The devil's working overtime. He doesn't know when Jesus is coming back, but he knows he's coming back because he knows the scriptures. And so we have to live every day like it's our last day. Every day we have to wake up in the morning, like they said at the prayer time and the offering, and we need to read our Bible. And we need to be in prayer. And we need to be watching and waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many believe that tonight? I was also, right before I read this, uh, heard of a a show that's coming out now. I think it came out in February. 
Uh, I don't watch really any t- regular TV. You know me. If I watch anything, it's just sports. I don't watch any TV shows really. But this one came out, um, I think, in February called Biblically Something. I forgot it now. I, th- I should have wrote it down. I thought I did. Biblically. Anybody know? Huh? Living Biblically. Thank you. There's actually a show called out, called, out called Living Biblically. I'm talking about mockery here. And I watched the trailer, and the trailer is it, this guy, it, he loses a friend, and, and he gets to where he's um, just distraught and everything. Then he's, his wife's going to have a baby, and so he says, I'm going to start living. Out of, instead of it being something good and spiritual, it's a mockery that this guy's going to live exactly according to the Bible. For an example, uh, one of his friends commits adultery in the trailer. And, and, and is having an affair. And so he walks in. He goes and asks his priest, what am I supposed to do? It says the Bible says you're supposed to stone an adulterer. So he throws a rock at the dude. That kind of mockery, that's what this show's about. That's on TV right now. B- living biblically. Listen, when, the, when we begin as a world and a society to mock the word of God, watch out. Watch out, church. Amen. It's one thing to live immorally. It's another thing to mock the things of God. There'll be a place and a time where God will say no more. I'm not putting up with this any longer. And listen, church, I want you to understand. Our hope tonight is that Jesus Christ is going to take us out of this world before his judgment falls on this earth. Because that is going to happen. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you have to believe Jesus Christ is coming again for his church. Amen. I don't care what the pastors around the world say. I don't care what the polls of the Christians say. The Bible says right here that Jesus is coming again. And it's going to happen in the twinkling of an eye. In a moment. In a moment. And everything's going to change. You know what? That ought to cause us to live a certain way every day. Amen? Let's finish tonight in 2 Peter chapter 3. If you'll get there, you actually should be there already. Give me an amen if you're there. I want to spend a little time right here. We're going to read quite a few verses. We're going to start in verse 1. It says, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 1, Beloved. I love that he says beloved. Amen? That means family. That means you that are in Christ. I now write this to you, this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your minds by way of reminder that you would be mindful of the words which were spoken by who? Shout that out. The holy prophets. And of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Watch this. Knowing this first, knowing this first, scoffers will come in the last days. I just told you uh, scoffers. I just told you some shows. I just gave you an example of a show of TV, but I also gave you the worst scoffing that even pastors don't believe. That scoffers will come in the last day walking according to what? Their own lusts. And saying, here it is, watch this, where is the promise of his coming? Where is it? That's the attitude of the world today. Where is this promise? Because every day that goes by, listen, every day that goes by that we get closer to his return, they say it's further away from when he said he was going to come, and they scoff harder. They scoff more. They mock more, and they make fun of it. These shows are making fun of it. 
Walking according to the Lord. Where is the promise of his coming? Watch this. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world then existed perished. Remember the flood? Being flooded with water. But the heavens and earth are now preserved by the same word and are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of what men? Ungodly men. But beloved, there it is again, but family, but those in Christ, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day. That means that the 6,000 years that we've been in since creation is in God's eyes, because remember, God is outside of time. God created everything, so he's not in our watch. We look at our watch, and we, we, we're in a microwave generation today, and we think, man, this is taking forever, and when is this going to happen? God is outside of time. But for him to give us understanding, he says, let me, let me come into your understanding because I know how you think. And he says, a thousand years is like a day. A day is like a thousand years. So it seems like it's been forever, but it's just been a day. The last 2,000 years since Jesus walked the earth has only been two spiritual days. For God to give us an understanding that it's not very much. And we, we get that understanding of when we begin to think about eternity and how long it will be when 6,000 years is just like six days. So he's trying to get us to understand in our finite minds what time is. And he says, don't worry, one day is like 1,000 years. 1,000 years is as one day. And he says, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. He's speaking of the future. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner, watch this, this is how I want to close, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness. This is, this is something, see, the rapture of the church, the imminent return of Jesus causes us to be living in a manner that says, God, I know you could come today. Now, we don't have to be in fear, but we have to be watching. We have to be caring for ourselves. We have to be making sure that, the, that, that our, our spiritual bride, bridal clothes are, for the wedding are staying clean from this world. This world wants to get us dirty. This world wants to lure us in. This world wants to poison us. God says, what manner of persons ought you be? Verse 12, looking, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Being in the middle of summer ought to help us understand that. Amen. Ought to be, we, ought to live, we ought to want to live more right living in Texas or Arizona in this heat. It make you want to live right. Amen. This is nothing. He says, 
Nevertheless, watch this, we, say we, according to his promise, are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Listen, guys, I want to tell you tonight, I want to remind you tonight, there'll be a day. That old song says, what a day it will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. There's going to be a day when we don't have to worry anymore. We don't have to work anymore. We don't have to labor anymore. We don't have to deal with funerals anymore. We don't have to deal with, with blow explosions and war and pain and suffering. There's going to be a day when it'll all be over and we're going to be in a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Amen. And we won't have to make those right and wrong decisions. We'll be with God. That's something we need to look forward to. Look forward to that day when when things are going to be right. Right's going to come out right. Verse 14, watch this. He says, therefore, he says, let me sum this all up for you, beloved. Again, family, those that are in Christ. He says, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Amen. To be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. When I'm living my life for God, I'm waking up every day. Listen, I know know life gets busy. I know we can get pulled away and carried away by things of life, but God is wanting us to wake up every day and, and say, you know, the funeral that I went to today, this young man had on his Facebook, living, my, living, my, this, living as if this is my last day. That's the attitude we need to have. We all need to have that attitude. This could be my last day. That's not a fear thing. Again, I, I want to reiterate that. That's not to wake up and think, man, I, I might die today. It means that when you hug your spouse and your kids and you talk to people and you treat people a certain way, that you treat them in a way that you might not see them again. Can you imagine how our lives would be if we would live our lives like that? Man, I, I want to make sure that I leave the house this morning Make sure I tell my wife I love her. Make sure I tell my daughters I love them. Make sure when I come to church I let everybody know that I love them because life is short and and Jesus is coming soon. We got to be watching. We got to be waiting. We got to be looking. We got to be staying away, keeping those, like we talked about, those weights that weigh us down. Get them off us. Stay clean because that day is going to come. And let the world mock. Let them mock. Let them scoff. But they will not mock and scoff when we're gone. They'll wish they'd have been with us. They'll wish they'd have listened to us. They'll wish they'd have heeded the warning. Because we know the Bible says everybody can go there. Everybody can make heaven their home. Everybody can be ready for that day. And, and the last verse I'll give you is 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Listen to this. This is what I want. I, I can't speak for you, but this is my desire. I don't want to just go in the rapture. I don't want to just go to heaven to be with Jesus. I want to be this person that says, Finally, there is laid up for me 
the crown of righteousness. 2 Timothy 4.8. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, how many are thankful that God is a good judge, a righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have, does anybody know it? Have loved his appearing. So I don't want to just just go. I want Jesus to say, You were you you wanted to go. You were looking for me. You were earnestly. Listen, there's a balance between Paul says, Paul says, I know that I gotta be here on the earth and I know I gotta preach and I gotta live and I gotta do and I and, and this part of me knows I have, I'm connected to this earth, but inside of my spirit I long to be with Jesus. I long to be with God. And there's nothing wrong with that. Not being so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. But not being so earthly minded that we're not ready for heaven. It's a balance. It's a balance. I, I got to wake up and I got to do life and I got to share my faith and I got to live holy and I got to do what God's word says. But oh, I can't wait until it's church all the time. Amen? Wait, we don't have to go to work tomorrow. We get to come back to church again. And, and Friday, we don't have to go to work. We don't have to go to a funeral. We get to come back together again. And it's just over and over again, just celebrating. Listen, seven years, the Bible says, of a banquet. Seven years of celebration. Seven years of an award ceremony. Seven years of, of, of being with God. Isaiah 26 talks about it, being in that chamber of protection while this earth is going through hell. We don't want this earth to go through hell. Listen, we, we're empathetic enough to say, God, I don't want anybody to go through that. But I'm also not so empathetic that I want to stay and be here with them. How many know what I'm saying? We need to pray them in. We need to witness them in. We need to go get them. But we got to be ready. We got to be ready to go. Because at any moment, in the twinkling of an eye, in a flash, in the opening and shutting of our eyes, Jesus will come. Father, tonight, thank you for your word, and we believe it. We believe it. We believe it, Father, as it is. God, I'm not going to allow two thirds of the pastors that they polled to say they don't believe in a rapture. I don't care what they believe. I believe what your word says. Lord, we're not going to listen to the scoffers and the mockers. We're going to listen to thus says the Lord. We're going to listen to what the Bible says. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Pastor, I'm a little scared tonight as you're talking about this. How, how do I know that I'll be ready? You give your heart to Jesus tonight. You say, Lord, I trust not in my own goodness because my goodness cannot get me to heaven. But I trust in the blood that you shed on the cross for me. I am made righteous tonight because while I was yet a sinner, you died for me. I can know that I can be ready when you come back because I know that my sins are forgiven because you said in your word, if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just 
to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all of my unrighteousness. My, my, my hope is not in me. My hope is not in religion. My hope is not even in this church. My hope is in Jesus. Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. God, help your church. Help your people. I pray tonight, God, all around the world that, that churches would wake up out of their slumber, the Bible calls it. That they would wake up and say, Lord, I know you're coming soon. Five virgins were ready and five were not. Five were asleep. Five were awake. Five had oil in their lamps and five didn't. Don't be one of those five tonight that's got no oil in your lamp. And if you are one of those tonight, you can get a refill on your oil. Tonight, if you're asleep and you've been asleep, you can wake up and say, God, I'm sorry for being slack, for being uh, unhopeful, for, for getting caught up in this world. I'm going to get my eyes back on Jesus. I'm going to get my eyes back on listening for that trumpet and knowing that any day, any day, that trumpet can blow and you can come back for your church. Take us out of this place and, Lord, your word will be fulfilled. How many all over this place as your heads are bowed and eyes are closed? in reverence to the Lord, would say, Pastor, I don't know tonight. I don't know if that trumpet sounded. I don't know if I'd be ready. I don't know if I'd go up. I don't know if I'd make heaven my home. I don't know. I'm not sure. But you want to be sure tonight. Would you just lift your hand and say, pray for me tonight. I want to be sure. I want to know. I want to know Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior. My hope is not in me. My hope is not in this world. My hope is in Christ alone. Paul said if, if we have hope in just this world alone, we are to be most pitied. We're the most miserable people in the world if we just hope in this world. But Jesus said, I have overcome this world. He says if there's no resurrection... Our preaching is empty. And we're still in our sins. But Jesus did rise from the dead. Jesus did defeat death, hell, and the grave. And I believe it tonight. I believe it. I believe it. And I know soon and very soon, like that song says, I'm going to see my king. Soon and very soon, I'm going to see him face to face and thank him because of what he did on the cross for my sins. As your heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you're listening to me right now, I might be kind of getting into Sunday's message, but I, I want you to understand that that same chapter in 1 Corinthians talks about our bodies. You know, this body, as we go to a funeral, we go to a viewing, we see a physical body, this body's all we know. It's not, it's not hard to get attached to the body. It's not hard to look at that body in a casket and think, man, they're gone. It's just a shell. Corinthians says that we have a natural body. But when we get raised, it becomes a spiritual body. 1 Corinthians says there's a natural body. Listen, there's a natural body and there's a spiritual body. That first man, Adam, 
the Bible says, became a living being. And the last man, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. That's Jesus. He says, however, the spiritual is not first. We cannot be spiritual before we're natural. We're natural first. Today we're natural. We're in our natural bodies. And this is, and then afterward, the spiritual. The first man was on the earth. He was made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are all who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so are also all who are heavenly. As we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. He says this old, corrupt, broken, sick body, because all of us are dying tonight. We're all one day closer to immortality. This body is going to take on incorruption. This old body is going to be renewed. How... How am I going to go up into heaven? How am I going to be taken off this earth? Am I, how am I going to fly into the air? How am I going to disappear? How am I going to be snatched away because I'll be in a new glorified body that does not know gravity, does not know pain, does not know suffering? And what a day that will be. Let's stand to our feet tonight. We're going to sing a song. What did that word say to us? He says, comfort one another with these words. You know, he said it's a mystery. It's hard to explain it. But all we got to do is just believe it. I believe it. I believe it. And I believe that when that trumpet sounds, because of my faith in Jesus, I'm going to go. You're going to go. And, and you do your best every day to make sure this world doesn't latch on to you. And if this world is latched on to you, cut that off. Cut it off. Say, no, 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 no. I've been going, I've started to, started to head, kind of head down. Do you realize that if we don't believe in the teachings of the Word of God and believe that Jesus could come back at any moment, that it's real easy to kind of drift off and go back to our old ways and get caught up in this world? But Jesus left it there to, that at any moment... He could come back so that we would make sure that we don't drift off like that, at least on purpose. So he calls us to comfort each other. He calls us to uh, talk to each other. He says, come on, let's stay ready. Let's stay ready. Don't get caught up in this world. So we're going to sing a song tonight. Find a place. Let's spend a few moments at the altar with God. It's a Wednesday night. You know what? We don't know if we'll have another Wednesday night. Every time we come to church could be our last time together. Let's make, it, let's make it serious tonight. Let's fall in love with Jesus again. Let's love on him and thank him for his word tonight as we sing this song. Thank you, Jesus.